America, and this is the sound of black and brown. Well, I'm so glad you all could take some time to tune in tonight. You know, we need to know that we are stronger as ourselves. You know, before we get into it, I just want to read a little bit here um, from Fanny Henderson, a witness to the Southern Lynch Law, right? So in the absence of a strong protest organization in the African American community, the police in the 1930s and 40s were happy to demonstrate their power by victimizing many hapless individuals. And yet individuals did resist. Ms. Henderson, for example, acted against her powerlessness to stop a grisly lynching by becoming an official witness to it. Her friend, Mary Alexander, made the choice that many people would. She hid herself from direct knowledge of police crime and thus from responsibility to tell about it. Henderson not only took careful note of the crime, but located Carlock's wife and stayed with her to offer emotional support. What became of Henderson, we do not know, but the testimony of witnesses suggests that many such humble and unheralded people in their own way tried to resist the bloody repressiveness of Jim Crow. All right, so this is from the testimony that she read. It's a, um, you know, it was in a deposition made to the NAACP, February 1933, Fanny Henderson witnessed to the Southern Lynch Law. All right, so here, where did I want to start? Okay. I'm trying to pick a part to start. It's just so much with this thing. I'm sorry, I see Manny in the room. Hey, Manny. All right. Mary and I went to bed about 10 o'clock Friday night. I slept in the front bedroom and Mary slept in the rear bedroom. I went to sleep and slept until about three o'clock in the morning when I heard some loud talking in the alleyway between my room and the Cordevo Hotel. The window of the room where I was sleeping looks directly down upon the concrete alleyway between the house and the hotel. The alleyway is about 10, 15 feet wide. I lay in the back window shade, slightly south window overlooking the alleyway, peeped out to see what was going on. I saw several policemen, about four of them with a colored boy. The policeman had the boy standing up against the brick wall of the hotel with hands raised above his head. I heard them ask him, what in the hell are you doing out this time of morning? He says, I'm looking for my wife. They said, you're telling a goddamn lie. We tried to catch you last night, but you got away. We're going to fix you tonight, he says. Mr. Officer, if I had did anything, please ride me to the police station. They said, we're going to give you a ride. It's going to be a damn long ride. The first one is going to be to the undertaker and the next ride will be to the goddamn cemetery. When they said this, one of the policemen went to the car, got a pair of handcuffs and put them on the boy's wrist. They took him around to third street in front of the stairway going to the hotel and sent for a white woman, Ruby Morris. I moved in front of the window to the front door, which had a last glass pane. I opened the door slightly so I could hear. I could see them during I could see them during the, all the time. They kept the boy handcuffed at the side of the entrance of the hotel while they were waiting. After a while, a white woman showed up and they asked her, "Is this the one?" She bowed her head and told them, "Yes." Hmm. 
All right. So that was an excerpt from a testimony from Fanny Henderson, witness to the Southern Lynch Law. And you're probably asking yourself, well, what the fuck? Why is she reading that? Well, tonight, you know, we're saying we're stronger as ourselves. Our friend, our young friend, Manny, he has said this repeatedly. I don't know if you all hear him. Maybe we need to, like, get, like, Q-tips and help everybody. I don't know. Some. We just need to get the sugar daddy out your ears so you could hear this. So, you know, representing our cause is one thing. But is that what's really happening? I don't think so. I don't know. I mean, I have questions. Let me tell you something. Emory College was built on racism. It literally formed on the university foundation, and slave people helped build the original campus in the 1830s and 1840s. Who does that remind you of? Yale. John Emory, the Methodist bishop for whom the college is, the university's name, owned enslaved people. Yale, just like Yale. Um, you know, to this day, the, Atlantis the Atlanta campus stands on land originally stolen from, I'm going to, sorry if I mispronounce it, I'm going to apologize in advance, Muscogee Creek Nation, right? You know, and I'm bringing this to the forefront because there's questions that, there's things we've been talking about, right? Are we really being well represented, do you all think? And when I say that, I'm talking about in leadership positions, black and brown leadership, in nonprofit, educational, government spaces, those spaces, those spaces where, you know, we're providing this mass service to our community. Are we really represented here? I mean, Emory is not the only one. You heard me saying Yale, Yale, you know, jokingly. But so many institutions, you know, they were founded on the backs of slaves, man. And here in 2023, you would think after COVID-19, after all we saw with police brutality, after all the things we saw, the devastation, the harm brought and caused upon black and brown people, allegedly white people woke up. I, I don't know when and where, but so they say, right? How come we're not seeing that representation? Why are we seeing pictures um, talking about, oh, we're all here to end such and such, but most of the people in the pictures are not the people who look like us. Manny, what do you think about what? Yeah, um, you are absolutely, absolutely correct. Um, <clears throat> I don't think uh, at all that we have enough representation um, uh, in positions of leadership right throughout the country. Um, you know, last year, right, um, the 108th Congress, um, it, it's taken up until this year to have the most racially and ethnically diverse, uh, makeup of Congress in all of U.S. history, right? But with that, with that, listen, listen to what I just said, right? It, it's the most diverse and ethnically diverse um, I mean, racially and ethnically diverse in all of U.S. history. But listen to the percentage. 28% of that uh, diversity is the House of Representatives. And 12% is in the Senate. Right? So... <laughs> you got to still take that into account out of the entire 
uh, House Representatives that's in Congress, only 28% is people, uh, lawmakers who identify as black, Hispanic. You know, Annie, I got to jump in here and ask you a question why your blood pressure nice and high, because I can hear it in your voice. <laughs> <laughs> like you're trying not to get mad and you have every right to be mad but I want people to understand why you're mad because these different positions have different roles right yeah. everybody's not gonna be a senator not everybody's gonna be a state rep you want to give folks like a general sense as to why when you break that number down because 28 percent sounds like 28 percent but then if you say something like, not asking you for these numbers, but if people understood like what that means, when you see how many different rules that, that there are, that's a hell of a thing, isn't it? Absolutely. <clears throat> so, um, right, so, so there's 28%, right, in the House of Representatives, and we're talking about there in Washington, D.C., right, in Congress. Um, the house has 435 members. Okay. 435 members. And also to represent their states. Right. Um, and so of those 435 legislators, right. He just happens to know that. <laughs> Oh man! <laughs> um, so, out of the four hundred and thirty-five members of you know the, the House of Representatives in Congress, right, twenty-eight percent of that, right. So it's all about one hundred twenty-one people, one hundred twenty people, right, identify as. Either you know Asian American, American Indian, Black, Hispanic, right, um, Alaska Native. You have that type of uh, demographic uh, makeup, right? So we're you know we're not just talking about Black and Hispanic people, right? In that twenty eight percent is included Asian Americans, American Indians, you know Alaska Natives. So, go figure that the actual, if we just solely looked at Black Hispanic percentage, right, it's even lower, <laughs> okay? So, out of 435 total members, about 120, 121 of them are something other than Caucasian, okay? Um, and so... That's the House of Representatives, right? Now, the Senate, right? The U.S. Senate, um, you know, you, you have, that's where, if you don't know, a lot of the power in Congress comes from is the U.S. Senate, right? Um, and so there are 100 senators in the U.S. Senate, 100, right? 100 senators. So, mind you, the percentage I said is that in the Senate, only 12% of the Senate include Asian American, Black, Hispanic, Alaska Native, etc., etc. Right? 
Um, go figure, <laughs> right? What is 12% of 100? Well, it's, it's, it's 12. <laughs> I just, I need you to realize that. 100 senators. 100 senators. 100 people, okay, in that Senate chamber. And 12 are diverse. So, no, we do not have nearly enough representation where it matters, right? We just don't. Look at the numbers. The numbers don't lie. You can't. You well, can't I was just about to say that the numbers can't lie. And, I, you know, here's the thing so that's one piece of the pie. Now you look over to the nonprofit side of things and the education system, leadership wise, these are some big roles. And even in criminal justice, where are we, Manny? Hmm. Like for real, where are we? Right? How come we don't see people who look like us in those positions now? I, I've gotten pushback about the recent, um, and you and I have spoken about this before, about the recent appointment for the New Haven Board of Ed. Right, people are upset that a Latinx woman was chosen for this role, right? And then now with what's going on with the Board of Alders in New Haven as well, New Haven, Connecticut more specifically, where they're looking to do all these changes, you know, people are worried that the representation will not be there. What's your thoughts on both? Yeah, um, well, Again, this I also, you know, can personally um, attest to, right? It's in a lot of nonprofit organizations. Um, when we talk about leadership positions, yeah, uh, we, we as people of color often get the short end of the stick, right? Um, or, or, and this happens very often. A person of color will get placed in a leadership position in one of these nonprofit organizations solely for the purpose to make the organization seem those really, really fancy words we all like, inclusive, diverse, and equitable, right? But in reality, in reality, they're... They're just that that public face, right? Do they actually get to make the decisions? Do they actually, you know, get to uh, have their their whatever their opinions or their statements are actually, you know, sway, you know, decisions and sway, you know, actions or or uh, missions or you know goals that the organization will pursue or whatever. A lot of time, no. Like, not at all, right? They're just a face. Because the organization has to seem inclusive, diverse, and equitable, <laughs> right? To gain the support that it, you know, it needs to gain. So, yeah, absolutely happens in, you know, a lot of nonprofit organizations, right? Um, it happens so, so, so much. Uh, I, I've personally seen it, I, you know, experienced, you know, the, you know, 
seeing it uh, before my. Oh very wait a minute! Eyes. Wait, wait, wait! No, no! You know you can't just run past that right there. Come on, Manny! You should well, know better, <laughs> because. I don't think people realize why what we're talking about with this nonprofit representation. The word for that that you're referring to, you're the nice one. You know, he's so <laughs> nice. Send him some cards and shit. He deserves it. Um, you know, <laughs> you know, handle that somebody. Uh, but you know, <laughs> the thing about it is the tokenization is real, right? Uh-huh. And a lot of these uh, entities are doing that because they want to protect their bag right they got to check that box they got to be able to say we have these people working here right can you talk more about what it was like witnessing that because i don't think people understand why you know it's very important not just to talk about you know what's happening in black and brown communities but to have your staff representing that right representative of that like you can't just hire black and brown people to clean the place or you know to work at the front desk we do way more than that we could be leaders too can't we manny absolutely and don't you would you say that that is necessary and if so no it it absolutely isn't necessary i mean again i as i always say and i've said so many times right is that if we really want to begin to make changes and fight for the things that we want to fight for, right? We really have to stop sitting back and saying, "Oh, it's a you know, it's in the hands of other people," right? Like, "Oh no, those are positions for other people. That's the job for other people." No, 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 no. We have to start putting each other into those positions. We have to. Yes, for representation. Yes, for you know, uh, putting, you know, that opportunity of uh, allowing ourselves, right? Because that's really what it is. We have to allow ourselves <laughs> to enter those fields, right? Because we restrict ourselves so, so often, right? So, yeah, we have to begin to put ourselves into those fields, into those positions, right? For representation, for the purpose of advancing ourselves, and then to actually to actually begin to do real work <laughs> right on fixing and addressing the issues that we are so passionate about and that we like get you know red in the face over but then we ended it off by saying oh well you know that's a job for another person or that's another person's business or whatever no no that has to stop it absolutely has to stop. And it is not that other person's job. I see uh, Three Fifths just jumped in the, the chat here. Um, and I want to invite him to the mic. But before he comes on to give his thoughts on it. So Three Fifths, so you know, we're talking about black and brown leadership. in you know, and not just in government, but also in other spaces, nonprofit, education, criminal justice why this is so important we have all these nonprofits, especially that claim to be serving our people but when you look at the staff the leadership staff i mean the cleaners and the people at the front they look black and brown but then you have to really squint to find the black and brown leadership so we're unpacking on why that representation is so important so before we go in any further what's your thought Say, uh, uh, 
good riddance. Good, good day, brother Manny is always on point. Um, I go back, like I said, the sixties. We had the blueprint. We had the blueprint to get black politicians in. It's called the Gary Indiana Convention. If you look that up, you, you know you'll see you'll you'll see it. What we have now, like I said, it goes back again. We have no conscience but money. That that that's that's all I, that's all you can say. You know, you're right. There there were a lot of nonprofits, but if you go back during the sixties, those profits, the the the, the profits, uh, the nonprofits did a lot of work. See, that's why I advocate all young people read read the history of the sixties. Read the history, you'll see. That included Dr. King, Malcolm, Albizos Campbell, even though it was in the thirties and forties, but still, that blueprint was there with the young lord and stuff. We don't have that anymore. You know? I'll give you a good example. Marion Barry. Yeah, he had a drug problem, but Marion Barry took care of Washington. He kept gentrification out of Washington. He had he made a black middle class because he employed everybody uh, that he could in public work in the in the public sector. Black and brown. We don't have that anymore. You know? We we just don't. We have what I call political pulpit pimps, political pimps, poverty pimps. And we have that. That's all we have. Oh, please let everybody know what is a poverty pimp? The poverty pimp is one just like I would I would I would equate poverty pimps today on on the scale of the mega churches. They take your money and stuff and you get nothing in return. They go to the grant they, they go in the office and seek and say, Listen, you know, I I, I got this program I want to run, or they'll tell them the people that's gonna give them the money, but here's what you gotta do with us. They pimp they pimp off the misery of our people. They pimp off of off of the mental issues of our people. You know? Just in case anybody was wondering, you know, I just want to clarify this. He's not referring to Yale, although they, you know, they fall in that category. But well, see, Yale, Yale is yeah. You have to go way back. Yale is run by Skull and Bones. That's who runs Yale, even though they have a stuff. Skull and Bones, when it was started, that's what that was the plan to take over. The Bushes started it. Prescott Bush. But Yale is one of those Ivy League colleges that's run by Skull and Bones. Harvard has a similar uh, thing, similar to Skull and Bones. And uh, most of the, uh, what do you call it, um, Ivy League colleges have that. I forgot the one for the name for Harvard, but they have one too. But that's what it is. That's what it is. And they put people in strategic place. Look at our mayor. Even though he did forestry, he came out of Yale. Tony Hawk came out of Yale. You took it right out of my mouth. And I have a question for Manny now. Right. What does solidarity mean and look like, in your opinion, when we ask for this representation? Now, before he speaks, I need you all to really pay attention here because we say this a lot for Fuss and I. You got to listen to Gen Z, the younger ones coming up. He is in that category. You know, there's things that they know that we're not thinking about. And there's things that we didn't think about that they have to think about. Right. So before we give them critique, let's give them some time and space to express themselves. So I'll just reread that question. What does solidarity mean and look like, Manny, when we ask for this type of black leadership in these high, you know, 
decision-making spaces that are very visible. What does that solidarity look like? And who should be? Yeah. So, you know, the, the first thing that comes to mind is solidarity amongst each other, right? From each other. And here's what I mean by that. Too often have I seen uh, black and brown people aspire to be in different fields, whether that be politics, whether it be um, law, whether it be medicine, right? Um, entrepreneurs, right? Um, just these different fields and occupations, right? Or even uh, leaders, you know, they want to create, uh, they want to be leaders and, and create their own uh, organizations, right? And so, too often do I see that. Um, and it's a good thing. It's a great thing. It's a great, it's a thing that should be celebrated and supported. But what happens is other black and brown people will begin to tear them down, right? And, and cast doubt. I mean, flood them with doubts and, and just uh, become extreme naysayers, right? Say, oh, no, well, that, that field isn't, you know, meant for people like us. Or, uh, you know, be, I hear this, this phrase way too often. Be realistic, right? I, I mean, it's said so often. Be realistic. That you know that won't happen for you. Or be realistic. You know that that's not a good idea. Be real. And so they become naysayers and just flood, flood. You know these people who have these aspirations with doubts and negativity, right? It's um, just foster self-deprecation. I mean, it, it's terrible. So solidarity from each other, right? That at the most basic level. That needs to happen, right? We really, really need to stop tearing each other down, right? And support each other and motivate each other, right? Say so you can do this. So that's that's the, the basic level for me. The level for, uh, up from that is uh, the older generation towards the young generation, Right? When we have so many of the younger generation who, again, have these aspirations or have certain opinions or perspectives or ideas, right, on so many aspects of life, issues, you know, innovations, et cetera, et cetera, they become vocal about it, right? The young generation, they speak out, say, hey, I want to do this, I'm trying to do this, whatever, whatever. And the older generation will... Dismiss them, right? Dismiss them, invalidate them, right? Be like, oh, you know, you don't know what you're talking about. You're young. Or no, that's none of your business. That's, you know, older people's, you know, business. Other older people, right? Go, gro uh, this phrase, right? It's grown folks' business, right? So it's dismissing them. It's invalidating them, right? Uh, giving them absolutely no support whatsoever and isolating them, you know, in, in their own age range, right? Saying, oh, like, just worry about your age range, right? Anything else that falls out of that, 
you know, stay out of it. So solidarity between those generational gaps, right? Those age gaps needs to be solidarity. Um, and then I would say the the bigger level from that, right, is the uh, solidarity between ethnicities and races, right? It's as a black or brown person, right? And, and this is why I'll probably get like an unfavorable <laughs> view from people, but I don't care. Um, as black and brown people, right? Not every white person is out to get you, okay? It's not. Yes, there's been generations and generations of like mistrust and, and issues, et cetera, et cetera. So it causes this atmosphere of, you know, being weary. But not every white person is bad, okay? <laughs> no. All right. So build solidarity, right? Stop looking at the color of their skin. Start to see the character that they are. And then vice versa, right? Again, speaking of solidarity, white people to black and brown people. Not every black and brown person is this absolute tyrant, you know, that's been, you know, the narrative for so many generations, right? No. Again, same message. Don't look at the color of skin. Look at the character of who they are. So it's this solidarity, right? Drug dealer, all these really out landish you know narratives have been placed um and then you know again and i can even apply that to you know um you know african-american people and hispanics and, and and again even vice versa there too right not every hispanic is some type of mexican cartel <laughs> you know person right like we're not all cartel members and again vice versa you know from there so, right, we're not all undocumented immigrants, you know, who are here illegally. So <laughs> there's a whole bunch of these things that needs to really, really, yeah, right, I'm legal. Oh, my gosh, no, no way. <laughs> so, you know, it, so, yeah, so there needs to be a solidarity between ethnic groups and, and, and you know, and be different races, right? So, yeah. There's solidarity on different levels, um, and but they all mean as much as the next. Wait a minute. I'm about to throw a wrench here, and whoever wants to take it, right? So check this out. Um, I'm going to take up from where our friend Three Fifths dropped that knowledge about the new era, young, the Young Lords, right? I shouldn't say new era because that's a whole different one. Sorry about that. But I'm going back in time. I'm going back to... You know, Huey P. Newton, we have the Black Panthers, you have Yellow Power, you have all these different groups, and they're coming together in solidarity. Okay, they see the common enemy, and they're coming together in solidarity. Do we feel like white people play a role in us coming together? Or do we do more damage of that amongst ourselves? That's the question on the board. I'll say this, Brother Malcolm said, before there's unity with others, we have to have unity among ourselves. That's the first thing he said in, in, in one of his speeches that he talked about. 
also to piggyback, see, I'm from New York. Most New Yorkers encounter with Latino brothers and sisters is in the housing project. And the majority of the housing projects, we those are Puerto Ricans in there. I found as I traveled around, a lot of people want to know the history. And that's why, you know, with, with Latinos, they, they, they think, oh, it's Mexican, this and that. But you got to understand, you, you got to read history. That's why I recommended two books in the school system. And Emmanuel may want to read it if he hasn't already. One was called Down These Mean Streets by Pierre Thomas. He was a Puerto Rican guy, brother. Another one was called, uh, um, well, a man, oh, shit, I pushed that one. The other one is Man, Child, and Promise Land by Claude Brown. So what I used to do, I used to give the Latino brothers the Claude Brown one and give the black brothers the uh, Down These Mean Streets with Pierre Thomas. But if you look at the history, blacks first encountered, especially in New York, with our Puerto Rican brothers and sisters. That's why Me Feliciano was one of the young, um, was a young lord, also was one of the last poets. Can't stop. So that, that, you know, that's where we have to, we have to study history. But they divide us. Trust me, they, they, they divide us. You know, they, they, they really. Well, that's the mental slavery, right? Because they taught us how to hate ourselves. So I feel like to an extent, white people, because the problem I have, and I'm not saying let's all go outside and hate white people. That's not, that's not what I'm saying at all. And that's not what Manny's saying. That's not what you're saying either. What I think we're collectively saying is use your brain, right? If we're saying, as Manny put it so beautifully, we care about thing X, then let's come together and figure out how to take care of that together. And he's absolutely right. Like, it shouldn't be that, oh, wow, look at that road. Look at that big, huge pothole. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And then we go tell neighbor A and then B and then C. But then what do we do? We wait till the white person shows up to show them the respect and space. I mean, we cut each other down real deep, too. They just have to light the fire and we do it to each other. Manny, chime in. What you thinking over there? I know you yeah um my blood pressure is rising more and more but um <laughs> i might have a heart attack over here because <laughs> it, it, it gets me so mad it really does it i mean oh, <laughs> it really does it gets me mad that we as a people right black and brown people we go to such lengths to prevent each other from getting to higher positions in society. And it's like, I, I mean, at times I, I can't comprehend, right? The, the lengths that some of us go to in order to prevent another one of us from be, whether it's being successful or, or making change or, you know, just speaking out and speaking against something, the lengths, I mean, they're, they're outrageous. And then, but then again, we sit there, right? Those same people, right? Who went to these great lengths to stop another one of us from, from doing whatever, those same people will sit there and, and complain like, oh, things aren't getting done. This is this. And it's like I, I just I I wonder, you know, if if they have amnesia 
or a really I don't think that is that I think it's like an easy way out right we know that we are stronger as ourselves but yet we put that same barrier in front of ourselves oh fuck what did she just say it's the truth isn't it right it is as if we don't want like we're so afraid of success it's it's so far it's been so far from our reach we used it that's that normalized racism that's that normalized oppression piece that's getting you pissed off right because really that should be your motivation to want more shouldn't it manny absolutely no it is you're you're, you're absolutely right you know i mean we are stronger as ourselves three fish chime in here what would it take for us to see that in ourselves well what needs to happen right here right now because i started off uh you missed that part because you would have loved it i read an excerpt from um fanny henderson's um statement to the southern lynch law it's a deposition made to the NAACP back february 1933 you know i started off with that because that's you know that's just a fragment of our history there so what i'm trying to grapple with after all that happened from then to now right 1933 versus 2023 why the fuck does it feel like we we kind of like we're stuck in this time and space talk Futuristic, the more you understand again, you lose consciousness. See, you know, it's a funny thing. I learned from my grandmother. She said, when she asked Marcus Garvey, they're not hungry with the Black Star Liner. He told her, Mrs. Miles, they were still our brothers and sisters, but we were leaving rowboats to catch up. And sometimes you have to, you have to do that. You, you know, some people have to be left behind, and they have to catch up. You don't disown them, but, you know, <laughs> you got to push on. You, you have to move on. And unfortunately, like I said, to me, some of them, I call it the, the, the Judas goat mentality. You understand? Or to get that butter biscuit and chicken legs mentality. You know, go up to the master hotel. Like you said, you did a did a program and you did talk about slavery. Who, are, who turned us in? It's one of our own. One of our own. You know, but it's, it's it, I, I, I just say, start to believe it. No, you're right. Because the thing is, is like what I see happening now, the three of us have spoken about this too. And I, I, you know, it's baffling me because we're talking about it, but why aren't more people catching on yet? Right. The rise of the conservatism, the Republicans that have Democrats running for them. That's a big ass problem because we have more and more Dems who are running as Dems, but they really have Republican backing. This should get dangerous, won't you all say? I mean, whoever wants to take that one first, go right ahead. Look, 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 at, look at it in Jersey with the guy, um, Bob Mendez, and stuff, and the thing he got with the gold bars and stuff. There's a little history with him. See, people thought he was Puerto Rican. He was actually Cuban. He got a big conservative Cuban family in Cuba. And the word was them gold bars would go over there, you know, to try to, you know, help them out. But, you know, it, it, it's like you said, the Dems are mixed. See, Republicans are one brand. The Dems have so many. They got blue dogs, yellow dogs. They got like, like you know, Joe Manchin and Kristen Sinema. Those are what you call moderate Democrats. Have the, the one that Malcolm said, the Dixie class. And they're loaded. They're loaded. 
You know, I, I was talking to a guy the other day. I said, I'm placing a bet right now. I bet you Joe Biden, I said, I could be wrong, is not going to run. He's going to drop out. He's going to drop out, and they're going to either go with Newsom, or I forgot the other one. It's a lady they're going to go with, too. But they don't want him to run. The young people don't want an 82-year-old man. And by the way, he called LL Kuzo the other day a boy almost, and he had to catch himself. Got to tell you where his mind is at. <laughs> yeah. Money, I know you have something to say. Come on. You know, <laughs> so <laughs> let me, let me, let me say this, uh, you know, I've, I've said it time and time again, how I feel about conservatism and the rise of conservatism, uh, and how widespread conservatism is in this nation. Well, uh, I've actually, <laughs> I've decided to take that great passion of mine speaking about conservatism and i'm actually using it as uh my uh english uh essay for the year <laughs> and oh, i mean i i'm looking forward to you know when i get faculty and stuff to read it but you know <laughs> um it's going to be about uh it's an argumentative essay about uh, america and the united states is much more conservative uh, than liberal, right? I was going to say is much more conservative than people think, but you know, I was I was trying to just be a little nice. So, <laughs> but it's true, right? Uh, as as three fifths mentioned, yeah, there's the Republicans again. Like I've said time and time again, they are what they are. You're going to get exactly who they are. They're unapologetic about it. They're honest. They will stand their ground no matter what. You will know what you are getting when you speak to them, <laughs> right? That's just a fact. Now you go over into the Democrats. You're going to have the Democrats who are extremely progressive and, you know, they're diehard or whatever. And, okay, you're going to get them. They, they'll, you know, kind of like the Republicans, they'll tell you exactly what they stand for, what they don't, and there's no change in their mind, right? And then you're going to have the Democrats who you don't really know what exactly they truly support and what they just support because it aligns with the majority of their party, right? So, again, as I said many, 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 many times, I'd, oh, any day, at any given time, would rather go toe-to-toe -to -toe with a very, very proud Republican than go toe-to-toe -to -toe with a Democrat who you don't really know what they stand for. Listen, that's some seriously powerful words right there, three-fifths. Look, 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 at, look at the five. Republicans that's holding up the budget to keep the government open. I guarantee you, before the end of the week, they'll fall in. Merge, merge uh, what's her name? Green, she's crazy. Watch her fall in. They don't play. Dick Cheney, a very billionaire man. Look how they got rid of his daughter. Got rid of his daughter, Liz Cheney. That's, that's what they tell you. You follow her, you're next. The Democrats, like he said, you know, I was saying, 
Republicans do the bank job, the Democrats drive the getaway car. Both of them are the same. The bird is left wing, right wing, same thing. But the Democrats got more people that's holding back the obstacle. They're holding it back. Like I said, Dixiecrats, blue dogs, yellow dogs, moderates, progressives. I'm glad you pointed that out, though. I'm really glad that you pointed that out because here's the thing. I, I've had this conversation recently, right, as to why the fuck would you do something, CJ, like have a podcast and then you only have one series, just one, where white people could be featured, right? I said, yes, absolutely. The team agreed and we're, we're doing that. And this individual who is not white thought I was batshit crazy. And not just me. I mean, I'm speaking on behalf of Black and Brown United in Action, um, who facilitates this podcast, The Sound of Black and Brown. And this individual was in shock. And they were like, but don't you, but, but, you know, how could you, why would you? I was like, but why do you give a fuck, though? You know, what do you think is going to happen if I say anyone who wants to talk, come on the show? And I don't put... And I shouldn't say I, let me take that back. We don't put some level of standard here. Because here's the thing. All of us, if we decided to go and we said we wanted to be on that white boy show over there, they're not going to just take us, are they? No, 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 no. We We have to come on in doses. You see, when I think about representation, you guys are echoing everything that I'm saying, right? These white people who come on this show, they're only going to have one series, and they're okay with it. You all don't feel bad for them. They're fine with it. And let me tell you something about that series, The Sound of Black and Brown. And this this always tickles me. I, I know it has to tickle Manny and Three-Fifths because they participate as well. Um, in this particular series, and none of this is scripted, so the white person, whoever's coming on, they, they have very basic knowledge of what we're going to talk about. Put it like that. Unless they have something that they really want me to share, like, you know, some petition or some message, I'll entertain that, right? We're not that, you know, whatever. But anyway, the point is, is that it's one of them most times, and it's mostly us, meaning black and brown people. And this is important when we talk about representation, because we, our faces, need to be in those spaces. We need to be in those leadership positions. We need people to call that out right? You can't just have the same agencies at different decision-making tables and the faces are the same. And not that they're just the same, but they don't look like us. It's 2023. I come from a little island, looks like a damn Timberland booth. We have way more representation in those spaces than you all. See, to tell you all that you are the minority, they're very good at how they use language. And that's why we have to be better at how we use ours. You see, that's how I look at that. Because I feel like, you know, we spread the solidarity by giving solidarity, but be smart about your space, right? We don't have to let white people come up here. Why the fuck? This is our space. When this space was created, it was created so that we could unpack issues as black and brown people that, that is near and dear to us. Not so that white people could come and tell us how sorry they are and, and, you know, talk about all the shit they did back in 1925. I don't give a fuck about that. And neither should you. We need them to understand in 2023, we need you all to not just say so. Do so. 
We say it every week. We always have an episode, you know, of what should white people do. And we always put whomever is representing the white community on the spot to ask them, what do you think should happen? Right. Because the truth is we can't teach you all how to use your privilege. You have to first own it to use it. I mean, do either of you agree or disagree with anything I just said? That's the question of the hour. Manny, any thoughts on what was just said? Sorry, I broke out a bit. I was just asking if you had any thoughts to contribute to what was just said. Oh, yeah, no, it's right. So that's why, you know, I, I make the, the statement that I do, which, again, always gets me the most um how do i put it <laughs> the most unfavorable looks and statements from you know my fellow black and brown people right and they look at me like they want to chuck me head first off a cliff uh, <laughs> when i say you know that unlike so many others um you know and, and i'm not going to um sit here and like uh dismiss or invalidate you know their opinions their perspectives their stances whatever because i don't do that right so whatever you have your opinions and your beliefs but you know i i won't uh live my daily life and my endeavors uh with the view that all white people are the most terrible beings in the world and i'm never going to trust or work with or you know even have the decency to have a conversation with them you know and and i say that right and i say that, oh and not all white people are bad and again they look like they want to take me and just throw me off the grand canyon and you know and and that's okay you know again they respect their beliefs and and they have their reasonings uh, for, for viewing the world the way they do. But what I understand, like many others in history have understood, is that to really move forward, right, in unity and change and advancement and evolvement, right, we cannot afford to segregate ourselves further than what we've already been, right? 
we can't. If we are truly going to make this world better and a better tomorrow and all that great things that we say we want to do, right? Why are we sitting here and saying, well, I just won't entertain the idea of working with so-and-so and such and such groups of people? No, no. And again, if you want to do that, that it's completely up to you. But I, being the person I am and wanting to achieve that real better tomorrow, yes, I'm going to absolutely, <laughs> you know, be in that state of mind that regardless of the color of their skin, their background, their religion, or whatever it is that they identify with and that makes up their identity, right? If we can sit down in a room and discuss ways to make tomorrow better, and they actually sit there and do the correct actions to achieve those achievements, that's all that matters to me. And that's all that should matter. Well, that's amazing. I mean, I'm not saying all white people are bad, but most of them will destroy you. Because the problem is the ones who actually want, like, you know, as Threefus pointed out before, it's the organization in white supremacy that's the real, real problem here. Because the issue is, is that the people who could actually, you know, stand up to that, they're not as vocal as they should be. Right. And we need them to say something like you see that your organization is only hiring a certain skin color. Say something. You see that, you know, um, only certain people of a certain color are getting promoted. Say something. Don't just sit there. This is not a movie theater. Right. If you claim that our lives matter, then you should not have a problem with my life leading. So my question to you, Mr. Three-Fifths, is, is our lived experience a budget line item or is it a foundation to break the chains that have held us back too long? Boots, you're gonna rape your sister. He told her to run, and they beat him up. 
you know, one of the girls was getting up pretty bad. So there was this thing that people had. And I'm like this. How come, ask yourself, we can sit down, but why do we always have to sit down with them? Why not go to their neighborhood to sit down? See how quick they get their say. They never been to their neighborhood for meeting. You ever see that? For real, you know. That's real talk. You never see that. Like, if we roll up, I've seen it where, no, to go to your point three-fifths, I saw it where a black woman led a vigil, right? She was counter-protesting the re-election of a mayor that she felt should not have been re-elected. And she had every right to feel that way because, going back to what I said before, there's this whole thing happening where the Republicans are secretly supporting, well, it wasn't just happening. Let's, let's just say that part. It's always happening. Republicans are supporting certain Democrats because they play into their hand, right? And so she did this vigil for that reason. This is in a white neighborhood. They call those police so fast. I've seen it. Exactly what you're talking about, right? We can't go to their neighborhood and do that. And this is why we have to recognize that we are stronger as ourselves. I agree. Yeah, we could sit down with these people and talk and talk, but I've done that so many fucking times. I'm waiting for them to get up from the conversation and do some shit. Don't just tell me, oh, I, I feel so bad. Yeah, you're right. You're right. That's fucking fantastic. Now you heard what I said. Do something. But the problem is when we as black and brown people, when we go to the white community, whether it be on the job, uh, you know, anywhere, anywhere, you know, to the lawmakers and we bring our concerns, right? If we fit a certain profile, that's where we get stigmatized first, okay? We're always being criminalized. We're always being judged even before we say anything. Right. I've I've had to deal with that money. I know you've had three fifths. You know, that's what happens. So we could love them and care for them and all this wonderful stuff. But the truth of the matter is, until white people recognize, you know, the power, place and privilege that they have and actually more of them start to use it for good, which is what kind of sort of happened before COVID happened. Right. And then that derailed everything, you know. So, Manny. I want to give you a chance to respond to that and also share your clues. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and again, that's, you know, um, I definitely, definitely, um, you know, I, fully understanding of the generation, uh, the generational um, effect uh, that, history just as had on the black and brown people right and the fact that uh so many people so i was speaking for like again my generation right so many of our grandmothers grandfathers great grandmothers great grandfathers um who are you know some of them are still alive to this day you know under god's great blessing and it's the fact that they lived through those moments right uh and remember it as if it was yesterday and so that disdain three of us that you were talking about is is so very real so very real and you know and it's it's passed down and it's also sustained and cultivated by you know uh, those you know generations right to the generations that come after their experiences as well um so again fully understand that and and that's why I tell people, I said, you know, 
your beliefs, your opinions, your stances are all completely valid. Right? I don't dismiss them. I don't invalidate them on any level because I wish someone would come up to me <laughs> and try to dismiss and invalidate my experiences. Right. So it's never the standpoint to, to take. Um, and, uh, and so, you know, and then just what I say is don't look at me <laughs> as if you want to throw me headfirst off the Grand Canyon, you know, because I'm associating with so and so or such and such group, uh, and my endeavors and in my path, you know, so trying to make a better tomorrow. Um, because I can't tell you how many times, again, people want to throw me off the Grand Canyon because of, of, of those things. Um, so here are my closing thoughts. Um, you know, uh, people really, really, really need to uh, pay attention to those three levels of solidarity that I mentioned, right? Uh, the solidarity amongst uh, each other, right? Ourselves as the black and brown people. Um, stop trying to tear each other down and, and apart and invalidate and dismiss uh, each other's aspirations and goals, right? Um, instead, support each other, motivate each other, right? Um, even if you don't believe in their aspirations and whatever, it's still just, just for the principle, right? That it's another black and brown person trying to do more, right? Stepping out of the boundaries and the limitations that have been placed on us. Just support that, right? Just that principle. It goes uh, such a long way and it means so much to that individual, right? Rather than uh, being surrounded by naysayers uh, and, and filled with floods of doubt and negativities. Um, right? And, and uh, the solidarity between the age gaps, right? The older generation towards the younger generation and vice versa, younger generation to the older generation. Right? Let's establish that solidarity. Uh, stop with this the dismissing and the invalidation just because of age. Right? Um, and then lastly, right, the, the third, third level, right, the solidarity um, between different ethnic groups and, and races. Right? Um, stop, you know, let's, let's try to shift away from uh, the concept of looking at each other's skin color how dark you are, how light you are, right? And just who they are, right? The character, personality, their ideals, the morals, that stuff. So, um, you know, with all that, listen, people, conservatism is real. It's everywhere. It's in the Democrats, it's Republicans, it's in the independents. That's the whole thing itself, right? It's everywhere. It's on different levels and different forms. Be aware of it. Stay conscious of it. Um, and uh, hey, as always, you have the power to achieve such great change. Uh, I will be on the front line. You know, I get sick and tired of me saying things, but uh, someone has to, you know. I tell you, every time he takes the mic, young leaders, this is why we have to support them. You see what I'm saying? We have to give them a voice. We have to do that. We're not doing a good job of that right now. I know we're hurting. I know we're healing. I know you're going to the grocery store and you're trying to decide what to buy. What could you could you actually afford? I know you're looking at your light bill and, and it's stressing you out. I know you're worried about what's going to get fixed and what's not. 
but we still have to find room to encourage our young people. Three first before we sign off, any closing? I'll just say, see, when you say tear it down, my young brother, it depends. See, me, I could never sit at table with Sambo Carlos Thomas. What's the other little, the little baby Sambo, uh, Candace Owens. There's some, you understand, that you have to push away and stuff. And see, that's why I say don't, don't mistake because somebody don't sit down with the people. Some people among us, there's just no hope for them. There's no hope. There, there, there's just no hope. And you're and you're right though. You know, skin color. I I'm not. I don't. I don't date people on skin color. And you know, I, let me tell you what's real cool. Happened. My wife when she was in high school. Italian girl invited her over. They were all hanging. A mother Italian girl's mother pulled in front of the house. The girl at the window said, "Everybody got leave. Everybody can stay, but my wife. My wife had to climb over the fence and run from the dog." And it's funny because we saw that girl three years ago in the Bronx. And she apologized then. She said, but you know, my mother still had me sing. You know, and she said, well, you know, my, my sister's married to a black man. She still hates me. So that's the things that, you know, like I said, a lot of people have some things. I mean, my wife just laughed it off now because she's older. But she said at that time, I didn't speak to that girl in the classroom. You know, and there's a lot of just things among, my, among our people, too, the way they're treated. I remember a, a Latino friend of mine. Your Latino brothers, some of y'all are very short. Because he was like five four, they wouldn't let him in the fire department. He had to be five five. Then they went. Then, then they had a, what they did was they protested. He finally got on, and they they did away with the height requirement. And the guy admitted. He said, "You know, the Latino brothers and sisters, they they they're smart. You know, they handle. But that's just a way to keep us off, keep us out of the department. But you know, basically that's it. And like I said, the young the younger people have to put your support down. I'm gonna keep saying that. Don't be a corner." Thank you both so very much. I mean, I want to say something to the black and brown woman um, tuning in. Just so you know, in case you missed it, a black and a brown man, young man at that, came on this podcast and supported this black immigrant woman. And that's important because that's what solidarity looks like. We are stronger as ourselves. Let Manny come on the show and be Manny. Three-fifths go and spill that knowledge like three-fifths. Let's stop tearing down each other, man. Now, I said that, but I agree with what was just said, right? There's some people I will not sit with. Healthy boundaries is, is part of it. That's a real part of it. You have to have your healthy boundaries, right? From personal to professional. Some people that you had work with, you don't need to be gossiping with them. Kind of cut that talk short. They're toxic as fuck. Recognize the toxicity. Know when not to pick up that phone. That's all part of your self-care. We got to get better at that. We have to get better at our self-care. Not encouraging the toxicity is a huge part of that, right? In order for us to see the solution we desire, we have to be part of that. These are all moves in that direction, right? What we do on this show is very intentional. We want you to hear what Manny's saying. We want you to hear from the tenured black man what he thinks and the black woman who lived her life, what she thinks. It's real life, there's real people, right? We, we're not happy either. We want solutions too. In fact, I wanna tell you all, tomorrow night, if all goes well, we're gonna have a special guest on. Um, his name is Miles Thompson. He's the founder of Civic Citizens and he's gonna come and talk about voting. 
And I hope you all could tune in and hear this black man and what he's doing, right? And how he's using social media to, to you know, build this message. This is what we need to be doing. Here's something I, I wanna challenge you all to do, right? I challenge you to do this and see how long you could do it for and hopefully you do it every day. Next time you go to the store, smile at someone who's black or brown. Do it on purpose, just say, hey, good morning. Let's start doing those little things again because our people are in pain. We're in pain. We're a big section of the poor and the working poor. We're working, we're coming home, we're tired as fuck. We open the fridge, we don't know what to cook. We don't want what we ate the last five times, you know? We want our kids to have a great future. We don't know how that's going to happen, right? But we have so many young stars. One of them just spoke, right? I want to thank Three-Fifths and Manny for taking the time to come, not just to share their thoughts and everything else, but supporting me. That means a lot. It really means a lot, right? As a Black single immigrant woman, parent of two, it's not often that you get you know, the positive solidarity. So I get it. Healthy boundaries is a real thing, as was said. We can't do what we do without you all. So I cannot thank you all enough for continuing to listen in, sharing, subscribing, you know, encouraging us, supporting us. You know, you're amazing too, Manny, and so are you three-fifths. He said in the chat, the major CJ, I can't be me without you all. And, you know, Black and Broad United in Action, this is our podcast, The Sound of Black and Brown, and we're so happy and grateful for all who continue to support and encourage and support us. We can't thank you all enough. Keep tuning in. We have so much more to say. That's all for now, though. Have a good night. Enjoy it and think about what I just said. Let's spread some love for the rest of this week. And even more than that, first up, smile on, CJ.